0: Hi guys, welcome back to yet another edition of The Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Inestroza, and I'd like to welcome you all to episode number 79, entitled Obi-Wan Kenobi. In this edition of the show, I sit down with my friend, who's known on the interwebs as Geek and Review. We sit down and we chat about Star Trek, Doctor Who, and a little known show on the CW called Stargirl, among many more other subjects. So with all that being said, I really hope that you enjoy the conversation that I had with my friend Geek in Review. Welcome to the Red Wall, Geek in Review. It's a pleasure to finally have you here.
1: It's a pleasure to finally be here, man. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Uh You know, where I am on my side of the world, the weather has been a little nuts. But like I told you in the Green Room privately earlier today, I've been lucky to where I haven't had to go outside too much this week. So I've been in uh, recently cool temperatures. How about yourself?
1: Well, it's hot here, but it's not hot by your (laughs) standards. Like our summer is like your sort of April time. So, uh, it's been uncomfortable for me, but compared to what I'm seeing in the news and what's going on in like Vancouver and Portland and stuff, it's nothing at all.
0: I don't mean to get too personal here, but do you, do you have to like go out for work or do you, are you still working from home?
1: No, I work from home. So I'm quite lucky that, uh, well, it's a mixed blessing that I can, that you work from home because it's like, you know, your living room or your bedroom becomes your office, which is a bit of a downer sometimes. Uh... And it is annoying in the heat as well, because I I don't personally like the heat at all. As soon as it ha as soon as it gets hot, I kind of I'm of no use for a few days. It takes me a few days to adjust it. But I'm trying my hardest at the moment, but it's you know, it's nothing that can really be complained about in the larger scheme of things.
0: Me personally, I like the winter. I like the cold weather. Mm-hmm. I I'm not I'm not a fan of heat. Which is kind of funny for me because Uh, in the winter, I don't have to go out and shovel like some other people. Mm -hmm. I don't have to drive to work and, and deal with inclement weather, like some people, because as, as, uh, as my listeners know, I'm disabled and I basically work from home and I basically do whatever the fuck I want. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely lucky in that aspect. When I have members of my Star Trek family on the podcast, I normally start with what was their first point of contact? with Star Trek in general. But for you, I'm going to have to amend that question. What was your first contact with science fiction in general, not just Star Trek?
1: It was either the original Star Trek watching it on a rerun or it was watching Star Wars. Because um, I remember nothing about the story or whatever the Star Trek episode was about that I watched or how many episodes I watched I just remembered the colourful uniforms and then when it comes to Star Wars the bit that I remember from the first one is when Luke and Obi-Wan and C-3PO are in the speeder going across the desert I remember that but I don't remember which I seen first and um, when I was a teenager that's when the sort of re release Star Wars films came out and I hadn't seen A New Hope since that very first time I'd seen Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back a few times at that point. And I, I was, like, 16, I think, 15 or 16. I remember sitting in the cinema watching A New Hope, for you know, the sort of quote-unquote first time. And I just remember thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that when I was – well, it must have been maybe two or three, but whatever came first, I don't know, it was probably Star Trek, I would think, but Star Wars wasn't soon after it.
0: What drives you to, like uh... – Star Trek over Star Wars I'm assuming it's in that direction and it's not the other way around
1: I think although Star Wars well, people are going to argue this no matter what I say you could argue that Star Wars is a bit more of a richer universe but in terms of minutes and hours of content Star Wars at the moment can't compete with that you know maybe in 10 years time when they've spun out all these TV shows that they're starting uh, it'll, be, it'll create a much I'll give you that continuity that Star Trek has, but it's the volume of stuff with Star Trek, forget. You've got all the TV shows, you've got the computer games if you like that, you've got the novels if you like that, you've got the animated shows if you like that, you've got the comics if you like that, you've got fan fiction, you've got fan films, so it's just the amount of content I think is what won out. Uh I, I do think Star Wars sometimes is slightly cooler than Star Trek but I just it's what I grew up on is the answer is it's what I grew up on
0: Star Wars is cooler than Star Trek I have to disagree with you on that aspect I mean I love both franchises but for me personally oh. uh Star Trek has always been the cooler franchise because I believe that Star Trek takes a more uh uh Uh, procedural look at science fiction Mm -hmm. and star wars does star wars in its own right by by his own admission is more like a flash gordon it's more like a pulpy action star star trek it's like uh submarines in space
1: yeah i think star trek from its core had a bit more of a philosophy Behind it, I know, obviously, the main difference is Star Trek is supposed to be the future, whereas Star Wars is in a galaxy far, far away. But what I liked about Star Wars a little bit was that uh, the ships weren't clean. You know, they were dirty and they felt like they were put together. And Star Trek, sometimes it does feel a little bit clean. I mean, I love Star Trek more than I love Star Wars. But Star Wars does have its draws for me, especially since the Mandalorian... Is a come on screen, that's shown a really good side to that franchise, I think, that's been lacking for a while.
0: So you like the 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 grittier aspects of Star Wars. You like the, the dirt and the grind.
1: I mean, I'm not one of these guys that was hugely into the Star Wars expanded universe stuff. I had a friend that he could, you know, uh, recite it backwards and forwards. He sort of gave me an appreciation for it. But yeah, there's something about star wars that it has that again because it's probably movies over uh hours of tv shows is it has that sort of operatic big action feel to it that george lucas has to a lot he's worked with indiana jones as well and it's star trek and star wars are tea and coffee it depends on your mood you can like them both but sometimes you want tea sometimes you want coffee
0: there are some aspects of both these beloved franchises that you and me and are that you and me are a part of what is it that 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 allows that fan toxicity to come into both franchises you know why do people in your opinion feel like they have to choose between one or the other they can't have both like like obviously you and me can have both and we understand that and we don't lose our heads but there are some people who feel that they have to choose why do you think they feel that way
1: I think it's basic human nature, man. It's, this is my side and I want you on my side. And if you're not on my side, then you're against me. And I get that, you know, uh, when we've done our live streams with Starfleet Boy and things like that, people have said that, excuse me, we've talked a little bit about it, but it's not something that, it's not really the platform that we get into it there. And it's, people just take things too seriously. I was thinking about this the other, I think yesterday, and it just occurred to me it's so like if you don't own if you aren't the you know the company or the person that owns that property who cares you don't get as you do not get a say in what goes on in it because you aren't part of the machine just sit back and enjoy it and say what you like and say what you don't like and that's just my view on it but i think with the tall toxic fandom thing it's it did oddly seem to get a little bit political for anyone that follows the whole YouTube drama stuff and certain um organisations on YouTube that I won't name names and promote them. But, yeah, if you look at – if you know what I'm talking about and you look at these creators' videos, they never say anything positive. It's, I don't like this, I don't like that, I hate Brie Larson. <laughs> There's a lot of anti-Brie Larson videos out there. Uh, and then they never review anything positively. They never say, okay, this is what I like and this is the reasons that I like it, and this is what I don't like, and this is the reasons that I don't like it. They can't have that sort of halfway discussion, which I think is quite sad, but that's just me.
0: But did you see the report by a specific individual? Who it, uh, It's a report that came out by a specific individual that said uh, Lucasfilm was considering on uh, 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 just throwing out the, uh, the the new trilogy and doing oh. it all over again with a new director and a new direction. Did you see that floating out in the ether a couple of days ago?
1: Uh, I've heard that for a long time uh, because I do. I wouldn't say I watch any of these sort of people's videos a lot, but I just don't get where they get all this stuff from. Because if you go into any of these people that we're talking about uh, channels, they've got countless videos on Kathleen Kennedy getting fired the last five years and she's still doing Disney and she's still doing Star Wars so it's just rumours and I think it's a, they like to maybe sell the grain of hope of oh we, we we might win if we get this way and again if you don't own it and you're not involved in creating it then just enjoy it or don't enjoy it but if you don't enjoy it why, why spend hours, hundreds of hours a year complaining about it I just don't understand that, but again, that's just me.
0: No, the last thing that I'll say on this topic is that uh, when uh, Star Trek uh, first came back with Star Trek Discovery, after watching uh, the the pilot for Star Trek Discovery, I went online the next day, and all I saw was the most disgusting negative feedback that I've ever seen in my life for anything. I felt. So alone, I felt like an alien on another planet because I thought that I was the only guy on the fucking planet that I, that enjoyed this new version of Star Trek. You know, back then I didn't, I wasn't a part of this lovely community that I am now with Starfleet boy Earl Grey Trekkie and a bunch of other people that 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 you and I know. But it took um, this this gentleman by the name of the Trek Collector he actually responded to one of my tweets saying that because that negative feedback from specific people actually made me consider for half a second of not watching the show i mean back then i was i was highly encourageable and i was highly influenced by what other people said but i'm happy to say i'm not like that now but he actually he actually made me feel happy and safe and actually he he made my opinion feel that it was valid. I have never felt that way about, I've never felt, I've never felt that much negative criticism towards a franchise in my life. And, you know, um, all throughout the first year of Star Trek discovery, it got to such a point where I almost didn't want to go online. and I almost didn't want to tweet about how much I love Star Trek discovery because I knew that I was going to get this barrage of bullshit from all these other negative people, uh, which uh, don't deserve any time on my air, but if you've been listening to the podcast, you know who these people are. You know who these people are because I've mentioned them in a, in an earlier interview that I did this season. So, but you know, I would say that I I was so lucky that I found a positive pocket of the Star Trek community on Twitter, and I found uh, 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 Starfleet Boy, Earl Cheki, and yourself. Because you guys, you guys make me feel that I'm I'm with my people and I'm at home, basically.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, Exactly what you mean because uh, Starfleet Boy After Dark was the first live stream that I sort of went out of my way to watch live. It wasn't one that I thought "I'll, I'll watch a bit of it and I'll go back later on, or I'll come in halfway through and then watch it later on. And as that positive environment, and it's not just us; there are other people out there. But the the sort of um, the whisper of being nice is getting drowned out by the shouting of uh, "we must be heard" by other people.
0: What don't you like about New Star Trek, and what do you actually like about New Star Trek?
1: Well, but even before Discovery aired, or there was a trailer, when they announced that the sort of format of the show was going to be told from one character's perspective. My first reaction was not going to work. You might be able to do it for one season, but it's not going to work over consistent seasons. And I still think that I think by having Michael in discovery as the main character, you're robbing uh, the ability to tell so many other good stories, stuff like, even the backstories of like Detmar and Owo and Bryce and Reese, who I think are the two guys at the back of the bridge that haven't that don't do anything when they're not on the bridge, like we're almost on the fourth season of Discovery and we've not got any backstory on these guys. Whereas if you think back to TNG, although the first two seasons were very, very mixed, the characters got a bit of room to breathe. And when you're focusing on one character, I, I, that for me just doesn't work and I think they need to get rid of that format and for the next season of Discovery I don't know how it's going to work if everything is told from the captain's perspective like, I'm, I'm a bit worried about that um, but in saying that the diversity of what they're doing in terms of well, I'll talk about other Star Trek shows in a moment but Discovery is I love that uh, I like Tilly a lot. Tilly and Saru are probably the two best Star Trek characters since I don't know my favourites. Yeah, I like Trip and Enterprise, but yeah, Tilly and Suru are my two favourites. And the one character who I absolutely thought I was going to love and hate them, but I love them is Adira. Like Adira. Um, when they announced they were bringing in a sort of younger character and I can't remember when they announced Adira if they did say it was going to be a non-binary character or a female character, but I thought, oh, it's just going to be Wesley Crusher and this is the character that we're going to use to, to get the you know, the people that are younger than me that target them and they can say what they want. And And I was shocked about how much I enjoyed the character. And uh, not all the arcs, I don't like the fact that Stamets and Colbert have adopted her, I think. Uh, sorry, adopted them. You know, they never asked, it was just, okay, we'll look after you and that's fine. But I love Adira and uh, Picard's, I've not got a lot of good things to say for that, so I'm talking about too much.
0: I know. But go ahead, go ahead. Bullshit if you want about Picard. I mean, oh, yeah. you know that you know that you know that I love it, but I'm. this is a free space, you can bitch mm-hmm. about it if you like.
1: Uh, again, Picard, if they'd done it as a one off limited season and just went, okay, this is how we're gonna bookend this guy's story after whatever it is, thirty or forty years, I would have been totally happy with that. The fact, no matter how they ended it, if they killed them or they done what they done, put them in the Android body, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, and as long as you just went, okay, that's it, we're done, we're going to move on now and tell another story, you know, in the next on in this timeline, the next gen universe. Um, but yeah, again, the whole telling the story from the one character's point of view over the long term doesn't work for me because it robs the show of its sort of essence. But the one thing. I do like about Picard, and I have said this before, and it's one thing that Star Trek in all its many versions and formats over the years has never got right that Picard got right was civilians now look good. I'm sure I mentioned this in a Starfleet boy after dark, but if you look at any Star Trek show, particularly from the next generation to Voyager, when men, especially, are in civilian outfits, they look terrible. They're these kind of weirds shirts that grow go across that look, look blouses or they're made of this really thin fabric or it's like they're just wearing a sort of all-in-one jumpsuit whereas in Picard you've seen people that had jackets and blazers and t-shirts and shirts on and I thought yeah that, that's cool they're not trying to make the future look like um if you watched it when you're growing up or watched it in reruns Buck Rogers when everyone was wearing those tight one-piece lycra jumpsuits <laughs> Picard got the civilians right at least
0: Oh my god, I've never seen Buck Rogers, but now I'm terrified. I don't
1: want to watch no, it. No, you need you need to watch it. Buck Rogers is good, man, but it's like the very everyone wears like that one piece lycra spandex jumpsuit thing and that's that's kind of what Star Trek done. If you listen to or if any of the listeners listen to the Delta Flyer podcast with Garrett Wang and um, Robert Duncan McNeil, Robert Duncan McNeil who played Paris said that he was doing a scene on the holodeck when Paris was wearing like he's his clothes, not his Starfleet uniform. And he's like, they gave me this, So I think it was like a silk blouse to wear. And he went, I've got no problem wearing it. I've got no problem feeling stupid, but it's not what the character would have worn. And he, he apparently went, I'm not wearing it. And he gave him a normal shirt. And that just highlights that, yeah, they they never got the whole, when little Brian or Picard or Riker was out of a Starfleet uniform and normal clothes, it just looked really weird up until Picard.
0: I think that my main problem and you've heard this before, because we've actually sat down and chat before, but we had technical difficulties up the wazoo. So we don't Mm -hmm. want to talk about that. But um, the one thing that pissed that, that irritated me most about Michael Burnham when she first came on the scene is her inability to follow orders. Even if she tried to follow orders, she would do it in such a way that would irk the crap out of me. And I think the fact that she's captain now that f- main issue that I have with Michael Burnham is going to go away. And I do think that they're going to start to build out the bridge car- the, the bridge crew, because I do think it's possible to tell the story that they want to tell, but also highlight some of the, some of the other characters who basically have no backstory. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted about this problem today. With uh with uh with, with Cara Detmer. Because I don't I don't, uh, it was um it was uh Earl Greg Checky that tweeted out tweeted out a question. He said, if you could write a single episode of Star Trek, uh which character would you, which character would you choose and what would you do with them? So I basically said I would choose Star Trek Discovery and I would choose Cara Detmer to give our backstory and fix her. Yeah. Because I could do that. Just mm-hmm. give me, just just give me seventy seven pages. And I could and I could give you what you want. But I I you know, I have hope uh for the future when it comes to Star Trek uh Discovery in that aspect. I've heard to the Grapevine that you're also a Doctor Who fan. Like like do you like New Who or Old Who?
1: I went back and watched little bits of Old Who, but it's more what like the sort of classic episodes, the ones that people say you need to watch, like Genesis of the Daleks I remember watching, again, I was too young to have any frame of reference for what I was watching, but Sylvester McCoy's run on Doctor Who when I was young. Uh, so the old Who, not that much connection to it. I don't mind it. I appreciate that, you know, it's not got the production value and that's kind of its attraction. New Who, uh, I really, really enjoyed it up until probably about Pierre Capaldi's second season. And then I think the writing since then, I know it's changed between Moffat and Chris Chibnall, but the writing the last few seasons hasn't been there. And it's it certainly hasn't serviced Jodie Whitaker, And I think to a certain extent, with Stephen Moffat, uh, there was bad ep- really bad episodes, especially that Robin Hood one that Peter Capaldi got that I wasn't a massive fan of. But New Who, generally I like it.
0: This might get me shot, but I actually enjoyed... Um, that Robin Hood episode of Doctor Who that Stephen Moffat did.
1: It's the only one that I've never watched all the way through. I turned it off and I couldn't go back to
0: it. It's not... It, it can't be the accents, can it?
1: It was a little bit campy and it was trying to be a little bit too self-aware of what it was of like, oh, she's meeting a historical character but he's not a historical... Right? From what I remember, I turned it off. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, it was just... I got to that point of, oh, here we go. And uh, One thing that Doctor Who does well is it can give you glimpses into what 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 was Albert Einstein doing before he became famous or what was this king doing before a battle. And sometimes it does it really well and sometimes it doesn't. And I thank the Doctor Who, uh, Robin Hood, the one that really fell flat for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I, I, as far as Chris Chibnall goes, like, like when I first heard that he was going to uh, take over for Stephen Moffat, I got really excited because my first exposure to Chris Chibnall before Doctor Who was Broadchurch. And mm-hmm. I really liked his style of storytelling. But unfortunately, I think that Stephen Moffat has a problem with – Serial, serialized storytelling. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think that he's better at individual stories than, um, than, than serialized storytelling. And, you know, you know, with that being said, I think that he has the same, the same issue that Stephen Moffat had. Stephen Moffat was great at the one-offs, but he wasn't so great at the serialized storytelling. How do you actually do, I mean, do you, do you have the same feelings that I do or what are your feelings on that?
1: I think I'm sick of this gimmick that we've had in Doctor Who since it restarted with Christopher Eccleston, that there has to be this story arc that we get nods to or hints to throughout the season and there's a big payoff in the last two episodes. I would love to see a Doctor Who season that just stands on its own and is a bit like maybe what Star Trek Enterprise was trying to do in its last season. So you maybe have like, two or three episodes in a row that are standalones, then you have like, a two-parter or a three-parter and you maybe have a mini-arc there. But with the whole, like, for example, going back to, when was it, David Tennant, with the Bad Wolf thing, they gratuitously dropped the phrase Bad Wolf or they had it written in text somewhere in every episode so that they, you knew that it was going to be some sort of payoff and they've continued to do that. And yeah, I, 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 I don't want a show where it's dropping these hints for me. I just want a, a little self-contained story or with a few maybe longer format episodes here. And they've kind of stuck themselves. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, uh, with this writing device of, okay, we need to hint at something in the first episode and then we're not going to pay it off until the second last episode, then that'll be the cliffhanger, then the last episode will be the resolution. And I think that for me, as well uh, rather than any of the general overall writing or who's writing it is it's has become a bit formulaic
0: i'm getting the sense that you're not a big fan of serialized storytelling too much from 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 what you said from what you've said about star trek and now what you're saying about doctor who is that right am i right to assume that
1: Uh, No, I'd say you're wrong on that, because I love The Expanse, and that is just the sort of one, although it starts in a very different direction, and Game of Thrones and Babylon 5 are absolutely fantastic shows, and I love them to death. but I think with maybe Doctor Who since the second season that Peter Capaldi was on it, and with Star Trek Discovery is they're kind of falling into these traps of writing that I don't understand that they have, not not everything has to be a quest so it's just more that Star Trek Discovery and particular Jodie Whittaker's Who, I would just I would like, you know, it's like take, for me, like, having a story arc is fantastic but sometimes you need to take your foot off the gas for the what was it, the second season of Discovery when they were doing that whole uh, the, Red the Red Angel, Angel. Uh, yeah, yeah I think that was okay but then the burn like I, was there anyone that was happy with the reveal of the burn and what caused that I mean I'm not going to get too into it but it's like don't set something up if you can't pay it off would be my, my is my attitude to
0: it I just could say a quick word on, on the Red Angel storyline I I didn't like that in in the uh, in the second season of Discovery, they they felt it they 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 felt it necessary to sort of stuff in the other storyline of Control. I, mm-hmm. I hated I hated the Control storyline. I wish they would have stuck with the Red Angel storyline. But but the fact that they you know fucking put Control in there really ticked me off.
1: Like, I've never I thought couldn- about it like that, but yeah, yeah, I would agree on that. Look. I would say do one or the other. Pick one.
0: But the thing about Doctor Who, about about new Doctor Who, if I could was back there for just a second. Like um, <clears throat> when I first started watching Doctor Who, I actually gave a shit about the companions. I cared about about Rory and about Amy Pond, right? And I cared about Billy Piper, right? These these new companions they're nice actors and they're good actors, but I don't give a fuck about them. I don't care. I don't care. And for me, I think that's the biggest fault that Chris Chibnall has done. He hasn't given sort of any worthwhile backstory to the companions. I mean, Graham and what's his face. Um, the old guy left, right. And I didn't care. I don't Mm. care. So, so like, like, if you were the BBC, would you actually consider letting Moffat go and getting somebody else to to? You mean Ch- I mean, you mean Chibnall? Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Would you consider letting Chibnall go and bring somebody else to sort of correct the ship, or, or or do you think that the BBC at this point doesn't really give a shit?
1: I think there's an aspect that they don't give a shit. That it's you know Doctor Who they've re while it was a brand they've totally rebranded it and uh, you know for those first five or six years it was absolutely fantastic and especially the first year that David Tennant took over that was the one that I seen that maybe it was the it was David Tennant and it was also the rise of technology with the internet and social media but that was the one where it's like oh okay people outside the UK like this show as well um, What do I think they'll replace Chris Chibnall I think they'll probably replace him Sooner than his contract would, um, than his contract would be. But I don't know who I would, who I could think that I would like to see replace them. And of confidence, I need to sit and have a look at shows and writers that I like and think, could they do this? Because I think with Chris Chibnall, it's careful what you wish for. It's that's what he wanted, but it hasn't worked out that well. It's you know, some people shouldn't you know you shouldn't be in charge of something that you love because you've just got too many ideas or or, you know you spent 20 or 30 or 40 years thinking about what you would do if you were in charge so if if i had like was ever in a position i don't write anything anyway or if anyone asked me for any sort of creative input i wouldn't want it to be involved in any show that i like because i want someone else to do that for me i don't want to do that
0: because if they handed me the keys to Doctor Who, I would jump on the TARDIS in a second. You know, but, but granted, but granted, I don't know everything there is about it. I'm not the biggest Whovian out there. There, there are much more educated people uh, to, to run the show than, than me. But the thing is that I would surround myself with people who knew the series backwards and forwards. And then I would craft a story with them together. Um, that that I that I think would be appealing uh, to the UK audience and to the international audience. Now I might be mistaken in that uh, working aspect, but I think that would actually work.
1: A show is only as good as its villains, and since Chris Chibnall has taken over, they haven't, you know, introduced like a Weeping Angels or like, a definitive new scary villain. And I think Star Trek discoveries like that as well is they're not really showing us anything new. They're just trying to rehash things that we've already seen. And I get that, that that's what keeps people like me and you coming in the door because we love, you know, the Klingons and the Vulcans or the Daleks or the Cybermen. But show us something new and don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to say, right, we're going to put this, you know, we're going to lock the Klingons in a cupboard for a year (laughs) or two years or we're going to lock the Daleks away for a year and we're not going to touch them. And just focus on something new because <laughs> why Why are we rehashing the same things? If it's been done for 50 or 60 years. Like, li- take the foot off the gas, as I say.
0: I have something to admit right now. and This is mm-hmm. the first Doctor Who conversation that I've had with anyone who actually mm-hmm. likes Doctor Who. But I fucking hate the Darlux. I hate the Darlux. I don't understand why the Doctor just doesn't... Every time he comes across the Darlux, he's so scared. He's scared to death. And it, you know, and it may be my American sensibilities speaking a little bit here, but I don't understand why that man doesn't take a pipe of some kind, just start Mm. whacking the crap out of them. I mean, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But the Daleks are like my least favorite villain in Doctor Who. Like, like my, like my favorite villain of all time in Doctor Who is, uh, is the Ood. I like the Ood.
1: Right. Oh, they. I would say they're not really a villain, though, are they? Kind of depend mm-hmm. what episode you pick up. Pick that one up on.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I know. I, I, I didn't mean to say the mm-hmm. the oud. I mean to say. I mean to say. Um, oh my god, uh, the 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 silence guys.
1: Oh yeah, the silence. They were great. Yeah, but the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. when you're not looking at them, you can't remember them is brilliant. Like.
0: Yeah. And no, the weeping I, angels
1: as well. Yeah.
0: No, 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 no. The Weeping Angels. The the first time I saw uh, Stephen Moffat's Don't Blink episode, I was I was hooked. I mean, I got introduced to um, uh, Doctor Who because I had uh, the love of my life uh, for some reason one day tweeted out a picture of a sonic screwdriver. Right. And I, I saw her tweet and I was like, what the fuck is this? What the hell is this? I looked it up because there, in her tweet, she said, "This is my sonic screwdriver." I looked it up, and then I was brought down this rabbit hole, and that's how I fell in love with Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat because of her tweet. The other thing about Doctor Who that I want to ask you before we move on to um, another topic is that do you think that Jodie Whittaker has had it with the Doctor, or do you think that she has something left? Because a couple months ago. Jesus, not a couple of months ago. Before the world ended, there was this rumor going around that Jodie Whittaker already fucking quit, and and that to me was terrifying because to me personally, Jodie Whittaker has not had that that standout episode yet as a Doctor. I mean, I really liked her first episode, but other than that, she for me she hasn't had that standout episode. Yet, so what do you think of all those rumors that Jodie Whittaker might be gone already?
1: Uh, I expected those rumors from the first episode, and uh, I don't. Oh, well, yeah, because Doctor Who in the UK is what almost an institution in television. It's kind of hard to explain, but
0: yeah, I, I get that a little it,
1: bit. <laughs> when Eccleston came on, and we all know now that Eccleston only done one season. But I remember, mm. I think it was the second, when the second episode was on, we didn't, on the paper the next day, they were like, oh, Eccleston hates Doctor Who and he's going to be out. And there's always rumours. And I think if she left, I would understand it, because the amount of hate she must get online, which in my opinion is unjustified, must be terrible. And I feel, I love Jodie Whittaker. If you've never seen... Uh, anything that she's done outside Doctor Who, definitely go and check out the first season of Broadchurch, Broadchurch even. It's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, she gets a lot of hate that I don't think is warranted, but I 100% agree with you that she's not had that standout episode yet. And I think there's a few reasons for that. One is she's not had a Weeping Angels or a new big villain that's hers. And two... Which they might do it, but I don't think they will do it the next season. Is she hasn't gone dark? Matt Smith and oh, yeah. David Tennant's doctor went dark. There's a two-parter called, what's it called? Ed Family of Blood, which is all about. Uh, I don't, do you remember the episode where he, the yep. doctor, go, uh, David Tennant's doctor, he goes undercover, and I think it's uh, early sort of 1910s. Boarding Uh, school in England, and he wipes his personality.
0: Oh, is that um, is that is is that one when he's with um uh, Martha Martha Jones? Yes, yes, I I love that two part. So,
1: so he wipes his personality, and at the end of the episode, you find out the reason he'd done it wasn't to save himself. It's because he didn't want to kill the aliens that were after him. And when you find that out, you're like, that is super dark. And Matt Smith with the loads of dark bits as well. And especially when it got to the whole war doctor and that, you know, though Tennant and Smith were the bridge between the war, not the bridge between the war doctor, but the fact that they were all three together were brilliant. And Jodie Whittaker hasn't gone dark yet. And that's what I want to see. I want, you know, I want to see, you know, someone says, what are we going to do now, doctor? And she says it. something serious that we're going to do this and it might kill loads of people. And that, you know, it zooms in, in her face and the eyes go down and she's hitting keys on the this console, it'd be fantastic but we've not got that she's a bit too i don't know she always feels like the plucky yeah look like the i don't know what you would what you call them in america but in the sort of temporary teacher when your normal teacher is off sick and this person is just filling in that's oh. to, sad sadly yeah that's to me what it feels like and she's just trying to be happy and get through it when you're like just Give me some meat. Give me, you know, I don't want everything to be yellow. I want things to be black sometimes. So don't give me the sun. Give me the dark.
0: Uh, you're uh, the w- the word you're looking for is
1: substitute. Substitute that's the word. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So no, but I think I mean I really think that uh, whenever the new season of Doctor Who, Whenever the new season of Doctor Who starts, um, whenever the hell it starts because I don't know when it's going to start, but I mm. think that. I think that having only one companion on the TARDIS with the Doctor will benefit the, the stories that they can tell, and maybe perhaps Chibna will finally explore Yaz's character a little bit mm-hmm. and make me care, because I am dying to care about Yaz because uh, I'm so frustrated with the way that with the way that Chibna chose to handle uh his companions. I mean Jody's companions for lack of a better word. Because I don't I don't know what Russell did or what Moffat did, but I don't know. What do you what do you what do you think it is that made me care so much I mean I don't I don't I don't know what you're gonna say to this, but what do you think it is that made me care so much about Amy Pond, Rory and Rose? Like what what was it? I don't get it.
1: Well, the question would be, because you missed one out there, why didn't yeah, totally you hear about Martha and Donna? <laughs> or you missed two out oh there? Oh my
0: God, I missed two Well, Martha, I mean, Martha, I don't know. I don't know. Mar- uh, I think
1: Martha Ma- was a companion that should have got another season. They didn't mm. stretch the legs with that one at all.
0: And Donna just made me sad like like the the way that she left the TARDIS just mm-hmm. made me really sad. I mean, I like the episode. I mean, I like the first uh episode where she shows up. I think it's called Runaway Bride.
1: Mhm. I think. Yeah, it was I the lo- Christmas special. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that episode, but I think that she was sort of like a sort of like a placeholder for for the next companion, and and um, <clears throat> Stephen uh, uh, Steven didn't actually intend to take her character that far.
1: Uh, yeah, I, if, I think I agree with you on that, yeah.
0: Yeah, if that makes any sense. Also, I did really like the other Christmas special when uh, David Tennant's Doctor crashed into the Titanic.
1: <laughs> really? You like that one? I thought that's when it started to go off the rails with the Christmas episodes a little bit.
0: Because I really liked that that server that he actually befriended once he got on to the to the Space Titanic. Mm-hmm. And I was really disappointed when she actually bit it at the very end because I thought that she was going to be the new companion.
1: Oh, no. I always forget. So that is – she's mainly a singer uh, called Kylie Minogue, and she is huge. She's been huge in the U.K. for, like, 30 or 40 years, but she's never cracked America. So as soon as I seen that she was on that, I'm like, I get it's a one-off. You're never, you know, it'd be like trying to get, I'm trying to think who'd be like an equivalent now. I don't know anyone in pop music <laughs> at the moment, but um, it'd be trying to get someone who, you know, was maybe a star 10 or 20 years ago, who is still going. Uh, I can't think of anyone off top of my head. That's what about,
0: head what uh, no, but what about, um? what about like, if like, what about if like Billie Eilish showed up in Doctor Who?
1: oh yeah yeah it'd be like that and you know you're getting a one and done it'd be yeah yeah, yeah there's a few of that where again because there's a lot of uh names that are names in the uk that aren't names outside that when you see them you think this is it they're not they're either going to be the villain and get killed or this is just going to be a one and done another example yeah. is do you remember the episode i can't remember what it's called but it's the one where david tennant's doctor gets stranded in the desert on the bus do you remember that?
0: No, that, that, I'm drawing a blank on that one.
1: It's uh, it was his what it was. You know how he, David Tennant done like four specials. He didn't do it a last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he, the first, I think it was the first special. I can't remember what it's called, but the actress that was in that would have been a great companion. But at the time, she was like a very up and coming UK actress. So you thought you're never, you're never going to get her for more than this episode at least, and that's a shame. But I think, yeah, um, with the Chibnall stuff, it was a great idea having three people with three different backgrounds and one, obviously, a different age. And the relationships between them could have been explored so much that it, it, it just felt wasted.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, he could have done he could have done so much awesome stuff with Yaz because she was a police officer, for God's sakes. Yeah. And he did nothing. They did nothing. I don't know. I'm just railing against Chris Chirpnell, which is kind of funny because I'm a fan of his. And the only reason that I'm a fan of his is because of broad church. I love that fucking show.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I always say to people, look, watch it. And it's a special, I mean, I think there are three seasons of it, uh, but the first one is just phenomenal. I think I watched it in maybe about 48 hours.
0: I turned my grandfather on to broad church during the pandemic and he really ate it up he i mean it was uh, it was something that we used to uh um I actually watched all the seasons with him together in like in like a span of like two weeks mm-hmm. so it was just uh it it was just a wonderful uh family activity um although I don't recommend. That you watch Broad Church with your family because it's not a family show.
1: Yeah, I was because, going to say it's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> ben, if you do,
0: <laughs> yeah, if you do that within the, within the first ten within like the first ten minutes, you're going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. The second that uh, um, Jodie Whittaker steps on a, a particular beach, you're going to be destroyed, and you're going to mm. turn it off.
1: Well, it's a beautiful show. The locations are absolutely fantastic.
0: Uh, did you know that uh, the doctor himself, Peter Gapaldi, is actually going to put out a record.
1: I knew he played in bands when he was younger. I've heard them talk about that. I think he was in a punk bands in the seventies and eighties.
0: I just read an article today that during the pandemic, after they paused shooting on The Suicide Squad, he actually went into his like home studio and recorded an album. I believe that it's uh it's gonna come it's gonna come out uh fairly soon, so I um I'm really excited to to hear him sing because I've never heard him sing before.
1: No, I see. I've, I've seen interviews when he's talked about playing in bands um, when he was younger. But I don't think I've heard um, him sing at all. No,
0: I've heard through the grapevine that you actually like Stargirl.
1: Girl. Yes, um, it's a show I didn't think I was gonna like because I know nothing. I. Didn't know anything of the comic book character or the background or the history, and I was kind of done with the C. Apart from Superman and Lois, I wouldn't see that as a CW show, but I watched, I think it was maybe the first four or five seasons of Arrow when I gave up. And I got to, I think it was quite recent. actually, maybe the fifth or the sixth season of The Flash. Legends of Tomorrow, I've never really focused on. In Supergirl, I'm gonna go back and watch it now that it's finished, but I watched the first few episodes of that and didn't really get into it. In Star Girl, I was just bored one night and I put it on and I just thought this isn't I'm not this isn't aimed at me, I'm too old, I'm not I'm the wrong you know, I'm the wrong audience, and I was hooked straight straight away. It's uh Fathery, who we do Starfleet Boy After that. we sometimes completely says that it's a show with heart. It's got such a big heart in it. And I don't like, I don't even particularly like the main actress that much, but the, the, generally the show overall is fantastic.
0: So When, when I first saw the, the promos for uh, strawgirl I was like you because I, first of all, you, first of all, you need to understand something about me. I grew up on, on, um, the WB. Before before it became the CW, it was a WB. I grew up on Dawson's Creek. I grew up on, you know, the the first show that I ever watched on TV was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I grew up as a WB kid. And I love, you know, teen drama and Mm. I, I, I love all that stuff. And no matter how old I, no matter how old I get, I seem to gravitate towards that stuff. But when I saw the first promo trailers for Stargirl, I was like, this looks a little bit too teeny bopper for me. I mean, yeah. I love, yeah, I I mean, I love teeny bopper high school stuff. Don't get me wrong. I do. I really do. I mean, my favorite show of all time, my viewers know, is Dawson's Creek. And that's like the most teeny bopper show ever mm. in the history of tele, in the history of American television. So, but, you know, um, so, when it when it first aired, I didn't I didn't watch the pilot right away. I I, I waited until a couple of reviews of the first episode came out, and I remember reading a reviewer who said it's like uh, a cooler version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right, really? and that got my attention. I was like, "What? You're comparing this show to Buffy?" I was like, "I have to see this." So I sat down and I watched it, and I, I was like. I like it. I, I like it. I don't, I, I, I can't explain it, but I like
1: it. Something that just draws you in. And it it's, although you say as from the sort of history of teeny boffer shows, it deals with kind of adult concepts as well. I mean, I'm sure there's an episode where one of our friends sends a sexy selfie and they've got to deal with that being teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just fun. And, Again, I'm not particularly huge on the actress. I don't really care for her, but there's something about generally the overall show that I just really like. And uh, Let's get the Wilson brother right. Uh, Luke Wilson is the one that's in that, not, in, not in Loki. Um, he's brilliant. He's absolutely fantastic. And he's, uh, yeah, I, I think he was one of the main draws. As I watched a YouTube review and someone went, this is kind of a Luke Wilson show in a way. And I think I think it's and Amy Smart as well, because she was a big actress about the same time that Luke Wilson came out in the early noughties. And yeah, I absolutely love
0: it. Amy, Amy Smart for, for, for my generation is a sort of a teen idol because she was in Road Trip. And if you've seen that movie, you know what she does in Road Trip and you're like Yes. Amy S- mm. Yeah. Amy Smart I love Amy Smart for obvious reasons. I won't say anything more than that. But go watch that movie.
1: Uh <laughs> I'm what sorry. was the name of the football movie she was in with the guy from Dawson's Creek? <laughs> Varsity Blues, I got it. Varsity Blues.
0: That- when I was watching Stargirl and I found out that Amy Smart was in it, I was like, I'm sold. I'm going to watch the show now. But I really think that the show has a heart to it mm. that I don't think a lot of people give it give it give it enough credit for. Like like if you actually go back and you actually read on the history of Stargirl... And what inspired Jeff Johns to yes. to 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 create Stargirl in the in the late eighties to early nineties, if you actually go back and read that story, it's fascinating. It's tragic, but it's fascinating at the same time.
1: I think what I like about it as well is you could sit and watch it with a ten year old or you could sit and watch it with a forty year old and it's just got that mass appeal. It's it's just generally, it's probably not you know quote unquote the coolest show to you like, but it's fun, man. It's just mindless fun, and I really enjoyed it.
0: I'm I'm really looking forward to um to the new season starting up in um, in just a little short while now. I think it, I think it starts up in August.
1: I'm looking forward to it. again. I just like the Luke Wilson point of view of. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone that's not seen it: He's a sort of sidekick to a superhero team, and seeing what happens to the sidekick when they're no longer involved, I thought was it's something that we haven't really seen before, which I thought was quite good.
0: The the JSA, so yes, just, yeah, I didn't want to say it,
1: but yeah, yeah. yeah so he's uh, he's sort of you know the the guy behind the scenes and he's the only one that survives. And you just like, okay, well, yeah. What, what does happen to Robin when he grows up or what does happen, you know, uh, when these people have to move on with their lives and pay the bills and buy cars and stuff. like that?
0: I'm going to do something that I've never done in an interview before. I'm going to turn the interview to the person that I'm interviewing. Is there anything on the face of this lovely planet that you, that we live on that you want not ask me because I do know that you listen to my show. Mm. So, yeah. So, is there anything that you want to ask me?
1: (laughs) Oh, the one that I guess I would ask anyone who's a sort of quote-unquote geek is what is sort of considered what what is considered what is a show or a movie that's considered to be popular or well liked that you either don't like or you just didn't get it? I'm
0: going to go for the obvious answer because that's what is the only thing that's popping into my head right now. I don't get why everyone is so crazy about Game of Thrones.
1: Okay. Okay. I,
0: I, I don't get me wrong as a, as a writer, I love the writing of the show, but I don't, I don't. um, First of all, I never watched a show when it was on the air. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would, I would watch a couple Episodes here and there. But um I guess when the show really started to come to my attention and really started taking off in my mind is when the Red Wedding came around.
1: Yeah. Like okay. after,
0: mm-hmm. after, yeah. After that episode, everybody on the face of the planet was telling me I need to watch Game of Thrones. And I remember spending one afternoon where I watched the first three seasons in one sitting.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And I was like, okay, this is good. But I'm like, I'm, I don't, I still don't get it. I I really, I couldn't wrap my head. I I couldn't wrap my head around what was so awesome about it. But um, perhaps if I go back to rewatch the show, which I'm going to do at some point, but perhaps when I go back and rewatch it, I will, I will finally be clued into what is so special about that show. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the only show that, Comes to mind right now that everybody seems to like, and I don't. I don't particularly like that much.
1: Interesting. I suppose it depends when you get into it, because I remember the the very first day I watched the first episode of Game of Thrones, and I think it was a Chris Chibnall show. I'll need to check into this, but there was a show that came out the day before in the UK called Camelot, and I'm pretty sure it was a Chris Chibnall show.
0: I love um, Camelot.
1: Right, I only watched the first episode and because, um, let's just say, not every show airs in the UK, that it airs at the same time in the US, so I had to, let's just say, ride the high seas of the internet to watch these shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had Game of Thrones and Camelot, and the reason that I watched Camelot first was i seen the picture of Game of Thrones, and it was the the sort of one they were using for the first season, which was Ned Stark, Sean Bean sitting, holding his sword in the Iron Throne. And I thought, at this point, I wasn't a huge Sean Bean fan. And Camelot had an actress called Ava Green in it. who
0: I love Ava Green. Yeah,
1: I've actually seen her in real life. She is that beautiful, but she's a phenomenal actress. So I watched Camelot and I thought, this is okay. And I watched Game of Thrones and I thought, this is slightly better. But I didn't think that either would go on to do that much at the time. And Camelot got get cancelled after one season.
0: Oh, pissed me off so much.
1: Again, I can only watched the first episode, so I'm, I've got very vague memories of it. It's, you get a lot of that in the UK shows that last for one or two seasons, and because we only tend to do six episodes a season, they don't really get developed that well.
0: How can you, like, like as a viewer, doesn't, well, to you, you probably spend your whole life watching that style of TV. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine as a viewer, not living in the UK, that would frustrate the shit out of me like like for example we are we've already talked about how much i love stephen moffat Mm -hmm. when stephen when when stephen moffat decided that i'm gonna do sherlock holmes in present day but i'm only gonna do it for like i'm only gonna do three episodes a season i thought i wanted i was so upset but then i started watching the episodes and i'm like okay these three episodes are like three mini movies
1: yeah three one and a half hour episodes yeah that's it.
0: Yeah, so I was like, I after after I got used to the uh to the sort of setup to the to the sort of not setup to the sort of <sighs> way that British, t- yeah, t- yeah. After I got you, thank you. After I got used to the format of of um Sherlock, nowadays I'm more willing to accept miniseries mm-hmm. and and lesser episodes. Like like back in the day. I like 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 we've said already. I grew up watching Buffy, and those Buffy in particular was twenty three episodes every year, right? Star Trek in the nineties was was twenty three episodes every year, right?
1: Some so, some seasons were twenty six, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, what wasn't the wasn't the first season of TNG twenty
1: six? I can't remember, but there's. I remember when I first started watching Next Generation on Netflix, and I'm scrolling through the episodes. And I'm like. There was there was twenty-six episodes of this. That's crazy. When
0: when you were growing up, did you find it really difficult to like have less of something that you enjoy to watch on TV?
1: No, because I was so young that stuff like that didn't occur to me. So all the shows, I mean, the kind of one that sticks in my head that I always knew was going to be six episodes was Red Dwarf, if you've ever watched that. Uh, and I think The American market has kind of not adapted it, but changed what they're doing. Because if you look at The Walking Dead, Discovery, most shows now are between 10 and 16. And I think the first season, The Walking Dead, was only six episodes. So I think sometimes that American TV, particularly uh, back in the 90s or late 80s, early 90s, because we had less choice that's why things were 26 episodes whereas now we've got 50 shows on 10 streaming platforms <laughs> that you've got to get it out there you can't hook someone imagine a show that come on now and lasted for look not a comedy but look, a new sci-fi show like say what the next expanse or the next game of thrones they went it's gonna last 26 episodes for the first season people wouldn't care like oh, that'd well. be crazy
0: for me, the sweet spot when it comes to a show that I really like, for me, the sweet spot is 10 episodes or 16 episodes now.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: but with that being said, when I grew up in the 90s, Dawson's Creek and Felicity, two of my, uh, my, my top two favorite shows of all time, those two shows were 23 episodes each mm-hmm. for, for the length of their run. So I really think it depends on the show.
1: True, but again, twenty years ago you had less choice of what to watch. Right.
0: Oh, have you ever been a guest on a on, on a podcast before?
1: No, I uh, haven't been a guest on podcast. No, I've not. I've just done the Starfleet Boy live stream, and that's it. And I've done um one other live stream with Fadri, which was I think Babylon five season two. But after that, I've just done Starfleet Boy after dark. That's it. I keep I've spoken about this with you, obviously outside of this, about uh, thinking about doing it myself, but I just don't think I've got the audience for it or there's a lot of technical things that I need to learn as well. I'm just not there yet. I've not got the time to do, but I would like to try and do stuff like this a bit more myself. But again, it's time constraints because I am where I am and most of the people that I speak to aren't in the UK.
0: Guys, if you like this interview that I'm doing right now with this lovely British gentleman, uh, I've decided to eventually start reviewing uh, the British version of Sherlock on my YouTube channel. And this gentleman will join me for all of uh, all the episode reviews, including the uh, the special one that they did. I think it was called the Hounds of Basketball or something like that.
1: Uh, no. Do you mean the the Victorian episode they done?
0: Yes, yes. That was the something
1: bride that was, the Crimson Bride or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we will cover all four seasons of Sherlock, plus the mini movie that they did. What is it that you do? Like, like, what's your day-to-day job, I wonder?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> I can't talk about it too much because it's in my contract, but I work for a sort of UK version of Verizon. So I work for a large oh, wow. mobile company, uh, oh. sort of behind the scenes. Huh. But beyond so, that, I say I can't. I can't interesting. Uh, oh no, you don't. Have, you, you've not named my name on this, so yeah, I do like um, social media stuff for a Verizon-style company in the UK. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Um, now, did you uh, did you go to school for that, or did you just sort of just fall into it?
1: I fell into it. I was working for the company uh, doing sort of behind the scenes, excuse me, um, internet technical stuff. And the department that I worked in, they sort of folded it up and then they just went, we're moving everyone to this other department or you can do something else if you want. And... The reason that I'm always up at odd hours is I work nights, so I work uh from like seven PM to seven AM. So my sleep is always off on my days off, which is how I ended up talking to Starfleet Boy yourself and all the other guys. Uh but yeah, I enjoy it. But again, working from home it's it's a mixed blessing. I love it when I love it and I hate it when I hate it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I mean I've you know you know I, I'm very comfortable working from home, and I, I I couldn't imagine going to an office every day and walking into a writers' room and then chatting about writing for six hours with other people. But with that being said, I would love to be a part of a writers' room, and specifically a Star Trek writers' room. I mean, mm-hmm. if I was, I mean, if I was a part of a Star Trek writers' room today, I would work with one of my idols. So I mean, you know, Alice Kurtzman is one of my idols. So. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, um, I think that every time I mention that, I think that invalidates my love for new Star Trek because people, some people have said to me that, oh, so just because he's my idol, that means that I'm going to love everything that he does. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I haven't loved everything that he's done with the Star Trek universe. I I adore what he's done with the Star Trek music with the universe on TV now, but I I, I don't agree with everything he's done. Mm mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, but, I, but, you know, me personally, I, I, I think that's something that I have to, um, that I have to work out, uh, just, you know, just between you and me, I think that's something I, I'm going to have to work out because I really have to fucking get over that. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to promote?
1: Well, just the YouTube channel, uh, the geek in review, uh, as well, if anyone who's listening has Twitter. My Twitter is the Geeks Review, and that's all in one word. And at the time of this getting recorded, we're sort of in the middle, or just towards the end of the whole Loki, Marvel MCU, and Black Widows coming out. So it's a bit of a Marvel thing at the moment. But I'm going to do more Star Trek content once there's a bit more of an established timeline on when the shows are going to come back, because I have spoken about theories that I have on uh, Starfleet Boy After Dark if you've heard them, and I've. I've not expanded everything. Let's just put it that way. I've got quite a lot of notes on my phone and bits of dialogue recorded on my computer, but it's not fully there yet. What
0: made you want to start doing YouTube videos the way that you do? Like, like what, like what inspired you to ter- to turn on the camera and sort of do video essay, video essay, so to speak?
1: Well, I don't turn on the camera because you don't. See, the only time you see no, my face is on Starry Boy after dark. No, no, <laughs> but
0: no, no yeah i know know what you mean i know what you mean yeah yeah. um
1: to be honest i up until about a few years ago i didn't understand not that i didn't understand i didn't use youtube enough to understand it when i used youtube it was to go back and watch you know that a band's music video from the 90s that i liked that you had to you know (laughs) sometimes just sit and watch six hours of MTV hoping that this one video would show up when you were younger, whereas now you can just go back and watch Beastie Boys Sabotage or you know, um, Rage, Rage Against the Machine or Nirvana or whatever you want. So I would only use YouTube to watch maybe live performances that I'd seen on TV years ago or old music videos. I didn't understand the concept that it's just like television, but it's like television that you can make and that's what kind of got me onto it was someone said to me, "You," I mean, you're talking about 2005. I was trying to sell them on the new Battlestar Galactic at the time. And he went, you should review that. And it always stuck with me. And I'm not the writing sort. I find it very hard to put my thoughts into written words, but I'm quite happily, I can quite happily sit and ramble and then I can just edit out all the stuff that I don't like. So it was that, and I looked. And there's obviously huge, you know, massive, massive YouTube channels that not just cover Star Trek, but cover all sorts of geekiness that, you know, are massive. But then there's people that just sit in their bedroom or do it in their spare time. And there was a few people that I looked at. And not to sound arrogant, because I am i don't have any high Ideas about myself. I i don't take the YouTube thing as seriously as I should because I don't make money from it at the end of the day. That's why I don't take it that seriously. But I looked at a few videos and I thought, I can do better than that. If I, if I seriously sat down for maybe a month and learned a bit of basics about video editing and how to do this, there's a chance that I could be better than them. And then there's a guy who is on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. He's called Roberto Blake.
0: No, I've never heard of that guy. I
1: would strongly suggest you check him out. Um, He's a sort of entrepreneur, but he does a lot of stuff, mostly in the YouTube thing. And, you know, he does sell courses, so he does try and make money that way. But he said something that really – he said a few things that stuck with me, but he's very good at identifying – for me, at least, identifying – why people fall into patterns of behavior. And one thing that he said that will always stick with me, which was if you, whatever job you're in, it doesn't matter if you're working part-time at Starbucks or you're full-time or whatever, or you're in the army, is someone else decides how much money you make, which I thought, well, that really blew my mind, but someone else decides that. Whereas if you're self-employed, whether it's YouTube or you're a builder or a painter or whatever, you can set that price. And the other thing he said, and this is the thing that really made me want to start YouTube, was he went, look at whatever creator you like. It doesn't matter if it's Logan Paul or Mr. Beast or Star Trek's Starfleet Boy After Dark. Look at the first hundred videos, and the first hundred videos will be terrible. So he went, go out there, make a hundred shitty videos, and then when you get to hundreds, that's when you know to You know, you've 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 put enough effort in to make a hundred that. You've probably got quite good at it just by repetition and learning it, and that's what made me want to do it. I think I've only done about fifty videos at the moment. Well, I say I should do more, but I just I make excuses to not find the time.
0: I uh, I completely understand what it's like to be a uh, a person that wants to do more YouTube videos but keeps getting in his own fucking way.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh like yeah, that, well, the thing for me, sorry, to interrupt is. I don't. It's not that I don't like showing my face, but I don't want to sit and have to edit, looking <laughs> looking at me for two to four hours a day. Whereas <laughs> if I just if I just do my voice and I can cut in clips with the office or parks and recreation or something else, that's fine. I mean, I have it would speed up me making videos like two hundred percent if I didn't if I just done it on a webcam and I put little clips in. But I just I I, I don't want that. I I want to keep myself to myself and. If I mean you know me a little bit so I do. You can you, you know, you get the flow of what I say that most of what I say isn't hundred percent serious, that it's sort of yeah. tongue in cheek and that's that's the people that I want to attract. I don't want I don't want to say this is my channel, this is my stance and you must be on my side or you're on the other. It's like enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, I don't care. It doesn't matter, I'm not getting paid for it.
0: You're right. I do know you a little bit, and I, 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 I enjoyed the tiny, tiny, uh, view, uh, the tiny, tiny relationship that you and I have been growing since Starfleet Boy mm. uh, started. And I do, I do agree that you're a uh, s- somewhat of a little, ch- you're, you're kind of cheeky in a, in a, in an interesting way. Mm. Um, but, but if I could just give you one word of advice on the YouTube yeah, thing. Man. Um, I think that that gentleman's, uh, um, piece of advice really rings true because if you go back and look at my first hundred videos, mm-hmm. they're fucking crap. They are, they are so fucking bad. Like I can't even watch them anymore.
1: Oh yeah. How bad you, they are. you mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, I think it was after, um, when we we're, um, finished our with boy after that and we're talking about afterwards and you said you'd watched, I think it was my early Westworld video, and I was like,
0: fuck oh, bet that yeah.
1: was terrible. I have no, do you know what? I have got no memory of making that whatsoever because it happened about the time of the pandemic. It happened about a month before that. And also mm. the world upended for the next six months, and I was like, mm. I've not listened to that. I mean, sometimes I'll, you know, maybe go yes. back and I'll listen to it on my laptop, and then once I've posted it, I'll go and watch it on my television to see how it sounds and how it looks and after that I won't touch it but yeah the westworld one it's like I just posted it and never listened to it so I just think oh it must be terrible
0: no actually I listen I didn't want to I didn't want to insult you when you when when I told you that I went back because the the only reason that I did it because I wanted to I wanted to sort of get um get a sort of feel for what kind of creator you were because mm. I I, I only knew you from Starfleet Boy. I didn't know you from mm-hmm. anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get a feel of what a creator you are, and I had the fucking stupid idea of going all the way back to the, your like first YouTube video. And the first YouTube video that you did is you did sort of like a breakdown video of Westworld's season three episode one. Yeah, yeah. and I watched that thing, and I was like, "It's good, but it's kind of middling. It's it's like mm. it la- it lacks focus." Um. And uh, I but I I think I think your most recent videos um uh, full disclosure I haven't seen them all but I think they're much more focused and mm-hmm. much more put together. So good on you for sort of correcting the ship on that one.
1: Well it's it's repetition man. It's again it's like trying to learn to play a musical instrument you're not going to pick up a guitar and be Jimi Hendrix the first time you do it. You've mm-hmm. got to just start at the bottom and I've done that in I know I've made mistakes and I know sometimes I put videos out where I think I've cut corners to get that out quickly. And now I'm just like, okay, I've got my format of, this is, not my format, they've got my sort of system of, this is the way that I record audio. Once I've recorded audio, this is how I edit clips. And through just sort of streamlining that, I've cut it down from, look, I think my first video took me six hours to now. From start start to finish, assuming that technically everything went right and there was no problems with my internet or anything like that. I could probably do a, a video in two and a half to three hours and it's just I make excuses for not doing it, you know? And I feel guilty about that, but you know.
0: Yeah, dude. I feel I feel all I mean, I've been I've been reviewing on my channel, I've been reviewing Mission Impossible and uh Smallville for two years because mm. i haven't i I've, I've been I've been fucking lazy and I have motivated myself to fucking finish the series and there's so many other shows that I want to talk about, but I don't get to those either like like the only co- the only consistent thing that I've been doing for two fucking years now is is running two podcasts this mm. one that you're on right now and another one uh, with that being said, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Red wall podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. It was wonderful talking to you.
1: No, thanks for having me, man.
0: All right, guys. So that'll do it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode number 79, entitled Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you guys like the work that I do here at all, I would appreciate a like, a comment, or a subscribe on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on at this very moment. If you do that, that'll help out That'll help grow the show greatly, and I really appreciate it. But with all that being said and out of the way, until next time, as I say often, I'll see you when I see you.